Chapter Two of the Boy Scouts in the Maine Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Debbie R. Baker Robinson. The Boy Scouts in the Maine Woods by Herbert Carter. A warning from a game poacher. Did I get him? Bumpus, as he spoke these eager words, managed to gain a sitting position, though his first act was to rub his shoulder as though it pained him. There was a roar from all the boys at this remark, and indeed even the two main guides grinned, more or less. Listen to the innocent, would you? shouted Giraffe. When his buckshot tore up the water halfway between the boat and the shore, till it looked just like one of those spouting geysers we read about out in Yellowstone Park, did he get him, boys? Step Hen put his hands to his mouth, megaphone fashion, and bawled out, Hey, answer that, Mr. Bear, please. Let the poor boy know whether he tickled your tough old hide with one of his buckshot. Because, who knows, fellows, but what it might have glanced off the top of the water and landed. And he winked at Allen, who was in the canoe with Jim Hasty close by. I don't hear any answer floating back, remarked Tad and so we'll have to believe that either the bear is lying there stone dead or else has skipped out to safe quarters bears never can stand being fired at by cannon they tell me cannon burst out giraffe at this moment for he had managed to possess himself of the new gun by pointing to it and having eli crooks pass it along cannon well i should smile what do you think he did, fellers? Just exactly what I warned him to be aware of when he saw a game and got excited. Pulled both triggers at the same time. Gee, no wonder it knocked him over. I'd hate to have been behind that charge myself, and I've stood a good many heavy ones. Ain't we going ashore to see if I did just happen to bowl that old bear over? whined Bumpus, looking appealingly at Tad. I'd never forgive myself, you see, if I found out that he had died, and no one even got a stake off him. A scout never wants to waste the good things of life like that, does he, Tad? But the scoutmaster shook his head. I guess there's no chance of that happening, Bumpus, he remarked. By now your bear is a quarter of a mile away from here and running yet. Don't blame him, said Step Hen. That new gun makes enough noise to burst your eardrums, Bumpus. And let's hope you won't ever pull both triggers again. Just practice putting one finger at a time in action. After you've shot the first barrel, let it just slip back to catch the second trigger. It's as easy as tumbling off a log. Or going over backward when you do bang away with both barrels at once, added Davy Jones wisely. As they were descending the river, the work was comparatively easy for the two guides. They would have their business cut out for them later on when their plan of campaign, looking toward reaching the Eagle Chain of Lakes, was more fully developed. In the beginning, there had been three of the paddlers in the party but a telegram had caught them as they left the train, calling the Old Town Indian Sabattis home on account of the serious sickness of his wife. Tad was capable of assuming charge of one canoe with the assistance of Step Hen and Davy, both lusty fellows. And so they had not bothered trying to fill the gap at the last hour. The chances were that they might have had to take some fellow along who would turn out to be sullen or else a shirk, thus spoiling much of their pleasure on the trip. These members of the Silver Fox Patrol had reason to feel proud, because each one of them was at that time wearing a trifling little badge that proved their right to call themselves assistant fire wardens, 
employed by the great state of maine to forever keep an eye out for dangerous conflagrations and labor to extinguish the same before they could do much damage it had come about in this manner on the train they had formed the acquaintance of a gentleman who turned out to be the chief fire warden on his way right then to patrol a certain district that nearly every year boasted of one or more severe fires he was greatly interested in tad's account of the numerous things a boy scout aspired to do each day and as it was his privilege to take on as many unpaid assistants as he chose just as a sheriff may do in an emergency the gentleman had with his own hands pinned a little badge on the lapel of each boy's coat they were very proud of the honor and expressed their intention of serving as fire wardens to the best of their ability all but giraffe he used to shake his head every time he glanced down at his badge and looked solemn the fact of the matter was giraffe had all his life been so wrapped up in starting fires that the very idea of spending his precious time in helping to put one out did not appeal to him very strongly jim is telling me that we can expect to see the mouth of the little machias river any old time from now on remarked allan and while i haven't come up this way exactly to the eagle waters i guess he's about right sure he is ventured giraffe for we passed the place where the big machias joins forces with the aroostooks some time back and unless my eagle eye fails me away up ahead i can see the junction right now where we turn to the left and leave this dandy old stream then the fun begins with the paddles what was that the fire warden was saying to you tad about some sort of bad man up in this region that give the game wardens more trouble than all the rest of the poachers combined step hen asked jim hasty was seen to squirm a little and tad noticed this as he answered the question oh yes he was warning me to steer clear of one caleb martin a strapping big fellow who used to be first a logger and then one of those men who gets boats knees out of the swamps and marshes up here but who for some years has made up his mind to loaf and take toll of other people's traps or shoot game out of season caleb martin eh step hen went on seems to me it was another name from that well tad continued he did mention two others who were said to be cronies of the big poacher let's see i believe their names were cy kedge and ed harkness wasn't that it jim and he turned suddenly on the smaller guide that's right answered the other promptly though to be fair and square with you i didn't hear him speaking o em at all but i lived up here you knows and kale he's been a-keepin the whole country kinder riled a long time now i'm hopin we won't run across him any and that's a fact sounds like there wasn't much love lost between you and the same kale martin ventured tad the hain't was the only thing jim would say and tad knew there must be a story back of it which he hoped later on to hear but why should the wardens be afraid of just three men when they have the law on their side that's what i'd like to know bumpus demanded giraffe gave a scornful laugh the law don't count for a great deal away up in the wilderness bumpus he remarked in a condescending way all sorts of things are done when men get away off in the main woods they laugh at the law till they feel its hand on their shoulder and see the face of a warden close to theirs then perhaps they wilt but this bully of the big woods has had a free hand up yonder so long that he just thinks he's the boss of all creation he needs taken down i reckon and perhaps if we happen to run across him it might be the mission of the silver fox patrol to teach him a lesson queer things have happened as we all know looking back a little at our own experiences 
we don't want to brag remarked tad perhaps the shoe would be on the other foot and he might kick the lot of us out of his territory but all the same let's hope our trail won't cross that of kale martin they were presently turning into the left and starting to ascend the little machias a pretty stream which some years back used to fairly teem with game fish but which like many another river in maine has felt the effect of the continual work of thousands of fishermen and worse than that the sly netting at the hands of lawless poachers step hen was interested in many things that opened to their view as they went on and his two companions did the paddling for he had been working quite some time himself and was entitled to a resting spell this was a new trait in step hen time had been when he would hardly notice a single thing when out in the woods unless his attention was especially directed to it by a comrade but it was so no longer and the way his awakening came about as mentioned in a previous story is worthy of being recorded again as showing what a trifling thing may start a boy to thinking and observing the myriad of interesting events that are constantly occurring around him no matter where he may happen to be at the time in a crowded city or alone in a vast solitude step hen had once come upon a humble little tumblebug striving to push a ball four times as big as himself up a forlorn road at a point where there was a thank you mum intended to throw the water aside during a heavy rain and save the road from being guttered he had grown so deeply interested in seeing the little creature try again and again to overcome the stupendous difficulties that faced it that he lay there for half an hour watching clapping his hands when he thought success had come and feeling deeply sorry when a slip caused the ball to roll back again often upsetting the bug and passing over its body the astonishing pluck of the humble little bug had aroused the admiration of the boy and in the end he had picked up both ball and bug and placed them safely above the baffling ascent in the road and after that hour step hen awoke to the fact that an observing boy need never lack for something intensely interesting to chain his attention no matter where he might be all he had to do was to keep his eyes open and look nature had ten thousand deeply interesting and curious things that appeal to the one who knows how to enjoy them and so from that day step hen was noticed to be eagerly on the watch for new sights he asked many questions that proved his mind had awakened and tad knew that that half hour when the scout had lain alongside the mountain road down in north carolina had possibly been the turning point in his career for he would never again be the same old careless indifferent step hen of the past there comes another canoe down the river suddenly cried bumpus who was still squatting in the bow of the leading canoe industriously rubbing his right shoulder as though it pained him considerably a fact tad noticed and which had caused him to promise that he would take a look at the lame part when they stopped for their midday meal very soon now there was only one man in the canoe that was approaching and presently jim hasty remarked that he knew him it's sure hen perry from up where i used to hold out he went on to say and then called out to the approaching main guide as his makeup pronounced the other to be hello hen had ye glad to see ye come closer and shake hands how's everybody up to the old place the other dark-faced fellow seemed pleased to his old friend and immediately gripped the extended hand guess they're putty well up thar jim and no need o my askin how you been cause you're lookin prime he remarked and then suddenly and an expression akin to dismay flashed across his weather-beaten face as he continued by the same token i got a message for you jim in case i run up agin ye on my way down to squawpan where i gotter meet a party that's bound up hunting 
you won't like to hear it neither i kinder guess cause it's from a feller you got no use for kale martin burst involuntarily from the lips of jim hasty while his face turned a shade wider under his coat of tan their same critter Ham went on he's still runnin things to suit hisself up thar around the eagle chain and larfin at all their game wardens in erstook county ter stop him a havin his way why should he tell you anything to say to me and how'd he know i was a-comin up this a ways asked jim firmly he says as how he heerd that you was a-goin to bring a pack of boys along up to the eagles perhaps it kim in a letter he hid from somebody i don't know just how that might be but he seemed to know it all right jim says he to me hen if you happens to run across that there measly little skunk what sells by the name of jim hasty just you tell him for me that if he dares to put his foot up here in my district i'm bound to pin his ears to a tree and leave him thar to give him a lesson and jim i guess from the look he had on that black face of him when he says that kale meant it every blessed word and if twas me i'd feel like turning back to take my people another way tad fixed his eyes on jim's face to see how the shorter guide took it he realized that jim was at least no coward even though he might fear the wrath of such a forest bully as the ex-logger and present lawless poacher kale martin for he had shut his teeth hard together and there was a grim expression on his face as if he did not mean to knuckle under to any such base threat as that End of chapter 2